It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Bengals added eight players in the 2023 NFL Draft. Bengals Director of Scouting Mike Potts is here to break down every pick, discuss the Bengals' strategy, and how the roster is shaping up for the 2023 season. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi again, everyone, and welcome in to the Locked on Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. You're going to hear our interview with Mike Potts just coming up in one second. And yes, I will be joined by Jake Lisko. But thank you so much for making us your first listen here on Locked on Bengals. Shout out to the everydayers out there that have listened throughout the pre-draft process, throughout the draft, and certainly today where we look back at the Bengals eight picks with the director of scouting, Mike Potts. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on a journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. The Bengals, they got faster. They certainly got more athletic. They didn't get a tight end. They didn't address the offensive line. Interesting, interesting, interesting stuff. Let's dive into that and so much more with Bengals Director of Scouting, Mike Potts. We're now joined by Cincinnati Bengals College Scouting Director, Mike Potts. Second year in a row that we've talked with Mike around the same time last year about the Cincinnati Bengals draft class. And Mike, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on and talking with us again. Hard to start anywhere besides the first round pick. Miles Murphy, by every consensus board, seen as a guy that was not likely to be available to you guys, but you did your homework. You had him in for the top 30 visit, which honestly was a bit of an eye-opener to me personally that you guys were doing the due diligence on a guy that I expected to be long gone. Uh, That must have been a pretty exciting thing for you guys who have done the work ahead of time and to have had that opportunity. It was. We were not necessarily expecting him to be there. Um, To be honest with you, we – Part of my job is putting together the 45 guys that we decide to do formal interviews with at the combine. And we, Miles didn't necessarily have any major character issues that we needed to dig on or anything like that. So we actually ended up trimming him off of our 45 interviews for the combine. And that's part of the reason we decided to later bring him in for a visit. We still didn't think it was likely he was going to be there at 28, but just to do our due diligence, we decided later on in the process, we're like, hey, let's, let's bring, uh, bring this guy in he he obviously it may be a little bit of a stretch of um projecting him to be there that late in the first round but you never know you could 
you could trade around, you know, different, different scenarios could play out. So just to kind of cross all our T's and dot all our I's, so to speak, we decided to bring them in and get them in front of ownership, get in front of, in front of the whole coaching staff and scouting staff and all of that. And um, I'm, I'm really glad that we did because it gives you that much more conviction on a guy when the scenario plays out like it did. And uh, like you said, we weren't necessarily expecting him to be there, but when he was there, it was an easy selection for us. Mike, it, it seemed like the pick, and, and usually in the first round, even, for example, the first pick, usually, it, and maybe it's TV purposes, but the pick isn't officially in for multiple minutes. It felt like the Miles pick was in within like 30 seconds of you guys going on the clock on the TV side. Was it was it that quick and as simple as following your board? And, and if it fell that way, you were going with Miles Murphy. You didn't have to talk about it at all at that point. The the decision was made that quickly. We we already knew before, um, you know, we, we were officially on the clock that that's the direction that it was going to go. But to answer your question, it was not in that quick because the 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 league makes us wait till five minutes run off the clock in the first round. The the rest of uh, rounds two through seven, they they say you can submit it as quickly as you want to. So maybe some of those were were about as quick as it seemed on TV. I think for TV purposes, they want us to wait five minutes in the first round so they can spread it out, spread their coverage out of the previous pick, show all the highlights that they need to show. Obviously, get it, get time in for the commercial breaks and everything like that. So um, it, there was at least five or six minutes off of the clock before we we submitted that one. But um, in later rounds, we, we did submit it relatively quick. It wouldn't be um, right, you know, as soon as we get on the clock. But my job is actually to, to type it in and, and submit it into the league electronically. And what I like to do is wait till Zach gets the player on the phone, make sure we're good there and uh, we're in touch with them. And then you, we may just wait another minute or two, make sure we're not blown away with the last minute um you know trade offer from from another team but that's kind of how it plays out and um i was alerted to to there there were certain times where it looked like we came on the clock and then it was the pick was submitted almost immediately but that wasn't sometimes that may have been the case but it wasn't necessarily as as quick as it seemed in some cases have you ever had a typo submitting a guy or do you check it like 52 times before you hit enter I check it. I, I don't. I don't think I've had a typo. That's not to say that I haven't had a million typos in my life. We we type scouting reports into our system. I do that for a living, and I'm not the greatest typer in the world. So I've I've had a ton of typos, but I'm I'm pretty paranoid about getting everything correct on that. It's just the the round, the pick number, um, the player's position, name, school, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll double check it a hundred times before. <laughs> before we put it in, but that's only been the case, I think, since the COVID year was so that, so the 2020 draft is the first time they did that. Prior to that, it was just like an old fashioned conference call that you actually, um, I don't know if, if the general public would notice it, but we don't necessarily need to have the person at our quote unquote Bengals table at the location of the draft. Um, like we used to, like we would, yeah. we would call it in, they would write the name down on the sheet, you know, Pick number one, round number one, Joe Burrow, quarterback, Louisiana State, or whatever. Uh, that that's not necessarily the case anymore. Um, but there is a conference call and there is a league-wide Zoom in case for some reason that pick submission form is not working that we type it in on, or if we need to, we can pick up our cell phone and and call in. So if for some reason one of those ways aren't working, we've we've got backup plans. Well, I had a few different follow-up questions I was going to go with. One of them was about how excited you are about text to speech. 
and that technology improving so that you can cut down on those typos. One of them was going to be about what teams are doing when the clock ticks down and why it takes so long, but you already answered that one. So uh, we'll, we'll go back to Miles Murphy here real quick. A guy that was a very highly touted recruit coming out of high school, hyper-athletic, very explosive, crazy athlete for his size. Obviously, that shows up, and the high-end flashes on the tape at Clemson are, are incredible. What, what was the biggest selling point for you guys what are you most excited about with getting Miles Murphy in the building? I think really it's just his overall talent and upside and where he can be. He's still still a young guy that's really only played for three years. He's still only 21 years old. And, um, you know, I, I've said it before that there's really not too many people in the world with with it, it sounds like I'm joking, but I'm, but in the world with with his physical traits. Now, has he put it all together yet? No. Can he can he still get better with his pass rush plan with his secondary rush moves and and um you know, just just overall polish to his game. Um, he, he still has a lot of room for upside in a lot of those areas. And uh, Marion Hobby coaching him is, is an excellent D-line coach. He's got a, a Clemson connection there as well, having coached there in the past and, and has a relationship with with Miles already already previous to this pre-draft process going through everything. So we think the upside's through the roof and, and just the uh, the freaky physical traits that he has and, and uh, the fact that he's already, in our opinion, a really good player but where he could be, you know, maybe let's say year two, three, four down the line um, is, is pretty exciting. How rare is it for a player like that who, albeit maybe needs to add a pass rush move or two, but has all of those physical traits, like you said, falling to 28? Because it felt sort of rare when I went back and looked at it, but it, based on your experience, it seems like, at least at my end, it seems like they go top 10, top 15 usually. So based on your experience, is, is that the case with a guy like Miles Murphy usually? I think it is It is very rare. Like I said, there's not too many people with those physical traits to begin with at all. Um, I, I think just in this draft, there was a lot of teams that had, had different needs. You had the quarterbacks going up yeah. there, which we weren't necessarily in that market, obviously. And, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, different different teams' boards or play out differently and they have different different needs so um i i can't speak for them we i know we do a lot of projections and and a lot of homework we thought he would there was obviously it's not 100 percent. we wouldn't have brought him in for a visit if we didn't think there was any chance of him falling there but um we didn't think it was it was likely and we're uh we're glad that it that it played out that way and um you know I, I don't know i mean i guess thinking back on it he had a little bit of a hamstring injury that he wasn't able to to test at the combine or at his first pro day, he had his own personal pro day later in April. So maybe that caused him to fly under the radar a little bit. Um, but I mean, th there's a lot of good scouts and a lot of good coaches that evaluate the, the players in the draft around the league. So um, they're, they're doing their work on, on these guys just like we are. So um, I, I don't have a great answer for, for why he fell that far, but we're glad that he did. We'll get back to our interview with Mike Potts in one second, but today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is therapy that is really the most convenient therapy that you can find. And it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you. Never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. And when you spend all of your time giving, it can leave you feeling stretched thin, burned out, and that's why therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. And BetterHelp is a great option if you've considered trying therapy. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule, 
And all you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time at no charge at all. So find your balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Certainly a lot of first-round surprises to the external observer, and I'm not going to name any names. That would feel rude, but there's a lot of stuff that we don't have access to as, as the general public, and even stuff that I assume you guys don't have access to because every team is doing it for themselves. You're not necessarily sharing information from information about character evaluations, medical evaluations, your own interviews with the players, intelligence you're gathering from your network of college coaches, what else is there out there, like GPS data versus the combine testing? Are there other important pieces of the puzzle that we out here in the world not working in NFL front offices don't really think about that, that could explain some of the stuff we saw in the first round? Yeah, G- GPS data is, is really big. Um, like you said, different teams use different um, suppliers of that information. There's, there's a few different companies that supply that data. Um, some of it's done from the film. Some of it's done, obviously, from information that you get from colleges, from the chips in their in their jerseys that they have, both at, at practice and and at uh, at games. So that's something that that we've done. Um, I've been going through Clemson, you know, in this case, a long time. That's that's something that we've got information on on guys like T. Higgins coming out of there, different uh, GPS uh, numbers that that Clemson staff has, has provided. And, you know, maybe a, a hang up on a guy like T is that he didn't run the fastest 40 in the world. But when, when you look at that play speed, it's up there with, uh, you know, the higher end of, of guys at the, at the wide receiver position. So yeah, there's a lot of different things. There's, there's, um, the analytic angle, the, the PFF stuff that I, I believe every team has all of that, that data, but then it's just a matter of what you do with it and how you analyze it. And like you said, um, different you know i think a guy that is a high high character risk is generally that way um for almost every team throughout the league but the, a lot of guys fall in the middle of really good character and a high character risk so it's a matter of connections that you have on the staff and maybe you know maybe, maybe you go through a school and talk to 10 people and eight of them are speaking highly of a guy but you talk to the right person that has the right story and that would be a case maybe where we would have uh, something negative or it could be positive on a guy or team X, whatever other team um, that drafted a guy or didn't draft a guy could potentially have information that everybody else doesn't have. Cause like you said, it's, it's not shared universally between all 32 teams. We've got to go out and scout and do our own, our own, uh, our own own work and own research on all of these players. The GPS tracking data, how is it more important or less important for a guy? And let's look at day two for a guy like DJ Turner versus Jordan Battle. On one hand, you have Turner who runs a 4-2-6 and plays super fast, and, and the concerns, at least outside, would be more size, not speed. On the other hand, you have a guy in Jordan Battle who's praised for his instincts and how smart he is in the playbook and, and just knowing the system starting 
as a freshman for Nick Saban in that defense, but doesn't run a four two and, and isn't necessarily the the fastest guy in the world. How how does the GPS, how valuable is that when you're evaluating those two players, which you obviously liked both, but for different reasons? Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, it's really a system of checks and balances. We're comparing the 40 time with the GPS numbers that we get. And then really, at the end of the day, most importantly, is what we see with our eyes scouting the guy. And and we, we evaluate, evaluate all of these guys' play speed. So we, we may we may think a guy plays in the 4-4 range, but then he goes to the combine and he runs four five five, and then we have GPS number to numbers to back up maybe what our eyes saw, um, and and you know he he kind of equates to that four four range whatever that is in miles per hour on the GPS. So it's checks and balances. It's it's obviously both of those guys being DBs. You got to be able to run in this league to to cover and and cover ground and and you know to defend the run game as well. So it's very important. But um, I think at the end of the day. If we thought the guy had slow play speed, um, that would be more of an eliminate, eliminating factor than a slow 40 time or, or GPS numbers that, that didn't add up because we were drafting the guy to be a football player, obviously, and not the guy who can – there's plenty of guys who can run a fast 40 that don't play fast on the field, whether that's um, due to instincts or football intelligence or a number of different factors. With DJ Turner in the second round, that's two straight years of second-round corners, and – some pretty athletic guys there. Last year you had to trade up. This year in the third round, you're, you're able to trade back and presumably feel pretty comfortable that you're going to get the guy you're targeting after making that little, relatively little, right, just a couple of picks, move back in the third round. Was there any pressure to move up this year at any point where, like last year, you had to trade up twice to get guys you were really coveting? Did, did that happen this year? Or how, how do you just decide kind of, where you can trade back and get a guy and where you might need to trade up based on what you're projecting the other teams around you to do? I don't think there was as much pressure as last year um, because we we ended up having more players available to us that we really liked. Last year, I think I, I talked to you guys about this last year, there was a number of guys, it seemed like in every round, that were just getting swept out from under our feet, you know, a, a handful of picks right before us, and it really thinned out. And then in the case of Cam Taylor-Britt comes to mind, we wanted to address the corner position, and he was. we felt like we were dropping down a level of player, especially at the corner position, and really just overall on our board regardless of position. So we went up to make that move. I think um, it played out a little bit better for us this year. We, we still considered moving up. You know, if, if there's guys that are falling that we really like, we're, we're always going to field those calls. We're always going to make the calls. We're always going to stay in constant communication of the teams both in front of us and behind us. Um, it just didn't end up working out. We, we probably went into the um, draft this year with the mindset of, of hopefully trying to add a pick or two more so than, than give up picks. But, you know, if, if you give up a pick, you can always recoup it later on with a, with a trade back later on in the draft if, if you move up. And part of that was because we liked the depth um, as, the round went, as the draft went on in, in some of those mid to later rounds. And um, it even would have been nice if we would have added another pick or two more than we did, but that's just the way that it played out with adding that extra sixth rounder and uh, ended up with, with eight draft picks. So uh, we're happy with the way it played out where it's, it's always a really bad feeling when guys that you like get, get scooped up right in front of you. Um, And we, that, that wasn't, obviously there's, there's guys that we really liked that went before us, but it just uh, didn't thin out as much as it did maybe in uh, some of the previous years. And when you're making those draft moves, there's like five or six charts now. 
out there that evaluate who won the trade in terms of draft pick compensation? You guys have your own charts, I assume, that that are helping you to approximate what you should be getting in return and, and how you guys feel about, you know, quote unquote, winning those draft pick trades. We do. We have uh, three charts, really, that we pay the most attention to, one of them being the primary that we think is pretty much universal. We communicate with other teams every year just to make sure nothing's nothing major has changed on what they're using, just so we know we're speaking the same language when it comes down to crunch time and, uh, you know, you're getting close to being on the clock there on draft day. So we, we've tried a little bit to mesh together those three charts and, um, you know, just they're they're a little bit different point systems, a little bit, some of them maybe value the later picks a little bit heavier, and some of them maybe value the earlier picks a little bit more. Um, so we've tried to mesh them together and form them into one. That's kind of an ongoing process that we're, we're constantly going through. That's something that we're going to meet on as well this offseason and continue to tweak it and um, you know just, just make sure that we're getting appropriate value for these picks. But really, at the end of the day, it comes down to a gut decision like, hey, how bad do we want to add this pick or how bad do we want to go up and get this player and is it worth giving up uh, this compensation to make the deal happen? Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When you trade down and make that decision or make the decision to trade up for that matter, do teams, if you trade up, say, hey, who are you trading up for? And vice versa. When the Chiefs call and it it feels like you're going to work out a deal to go from 92 to 95, do you say, hey, who are you taking? Because obviously if they were taking Jordan Battle, you might not want to make that make that deal. It, it depends how close of a relationship you have with, uh, with teams. Um, we, we've got good relationships with a lot of guys around the league, and, and if it's a guy that you do have a good relationship with, they will tell you. They, they usually won't tell you until after they've already made that final determination. They're not going to tell you hypothetically, like, hey, we're leaning towards this guy. Um, but I have heard, heard that happening. Um, I think there was a story that came out in this draft with, between, I think it was the Bills and the, and the Jaguars they were talking about that um, at least I saw some quotes or something on that, or if they didn't come out and tell them who they were taking, they at least hinted heavily at Mm -hmm. at who it was going to be. So I think they said he's big. Yeah. He's big or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big medium or medium, medium. Yeah. Yeah, Medium for Kincaid or something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, we're, we're reading the same, the same thing, but um, (laughs) it, it, it does happen. Um, You, you try, you're going to make the move either way. So um at least, at least in our case, we're not gonna we're not gonna ask them, and then they say, "Oh, we're taking this guy," because it can end up we can make the trade, and then they could turn around and trade it, or they could not take the guy that they're saying. But again, it comes down to that trust factor and guys that you have strong relationship with, and then usually they'll they'll tell you who they're gonna take if uh, you know if they've made that final determination. Talking about these DBs that are the new additions for your team in 2023, can you? Talk about picking a guy at safety where we covering the team did not think we were going to see a day one, day two pick on safety. So far to the point that like in the draft board that we put together every year, we didn't even really watch safeties. 
this year because we were we were pretty confident that, oh, you know, maybe later. But Jordan Battle, obviously screaming value to you. Uh, there's a pretty easy way to imagine his path onto the field really early in his career in Cincinnati, especially given that he got onto the field really early in Alabama. But you talk about that pick and how you see that fit working out with the position that there isn't a, a screaming need. And really, that's many positions, but especially at safety. Yeah, at the end of the day, taking Jordan Battle was just sticking to our board. We we love the player. We love the person, his, his character and everything he's about. Um, I'm sure you guys have, have heard all the stories on on that, you know, on, on him as a person and, and our regard for him as a player as well. I think at the end of the day, you can't you can't go wrong adding good players. Obviously, we lost both of our starting safeties to free agency. Um, obviously, we drafted Dax last year um, and then we signed Nick Scott this year. But um, that being said, a you don't know how um, injuries are going to play out throughout the year. Knock on wood. Hopefully, we don't we don't have to deal with that type of situation but even taking injuries out of it it just gives your defense that much more versatility um we all know we all know Dax is a very versatile player that's part of what attracted us to him and and to take him at the bottom of the first round last year so he's kind of a chess piece that you potentially could move around it can give our coaches some more flexibility that way um and Nick Scott and Jordan Battle are versatile players as well so it just gives you that much more flexibility there's a lot of offenses that we have to match up with um obviously safety's uh kind of our, our main main contributors in stopping some of these weapons at the tight end position across the league. So we're always looking for ways to, to stop those guys um, and then also covering running backs and, and receivers and, and stopping the run as well. We just we think all three of those guys are very versatile, well-rounded safeties. Um, potentially, could we get all three of them on the field at the same time? I'm sure that'd be a better question for, for Lou to answer, but I think we definitely have, the, have that available to us as a possibility. This may be a dumb question, but how hard is it to stick to your board, given that you, you have a the certain ranking and in, in all of those things, and there's been months and years of work that goes into it. At the same time, I know, at least in some organizations, public consensus could get in the way. There could be a player that isn't supposed to fall, that's supposed to be a top 50 pick that's there in, in the, the 70s in some years or 90s or whatever the case is, falls to day three. Is is that challenging at all? Does that matter? And have you ever been in any room where public consensus or outside voices do impact the the draft board and sticking with the plan? It it is hard. Um, I think at the end of the day, like you said, you, you hit it on the head. There, there's been years that that have went into putting that board together. So at the end of the day, you have to trust your evaluations um, and stay disciplined. I don't I don't think it's uh, public pressure as much as. Sometimes you want to you want to fill in the holes on the roster in terms of positions of need and, um, you know, even taking the positions out of it. Just just look at the side of the ball. I mean, how many how many picks in a row did we did we go or how many out of the the previous 10 picks were defense? So you're like at some point, you know, it'd be nice to draft an offensive player. But at the same time, you don't want (laughs) to jump down a level of player and, uh, you know, just to take an offensive player. And Jordan Battle was our highest rated player, obviously, uh, through the roof character evaluations on top of um, our high regard for him as a player. So really, it, it was just saying disciplined. There is temptation, you know, there to, to go a different direction. Every, you know, as scouts, we get paid to give our opinion, and, and we don't always agree on everything. So there's different points of view on, um, on every different scenario, it seems like. But at the end of the day, we've, we've had good luck with sticking to our board, and that's what we did in this, uh, in this case here with Battle.
That's Bengals director of scouting, Mike Potts. We thank him. We thank Emily Parker as well for getting that interview scheduled. And it's something we try to do annually where we sit down, we talked with Steve Radicevich after the, the main part of free agency was in the books and Cincinnati added a couple of players since then. But then we also uh, try to talk with Mike Potts after the draft process and get his thoughts on how things played out. Because especially when you're drafting as late as, as you are in recent years for the Bengals, you never know what's going to happen. And whether it was Jameer Gibbs at 12 or the, the fact that they didn't take an offensive player until day three of the draft, I think there were some things that they didn't necessarily plan on doing, but they stuck to their board and they certainly deserve credit for that. Jake and I are back on Wednesday for Thursday's show, Wednesday evening. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And for Jake, let's go. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.